following audio is from the Anglican Church, Caroline Springs. For more information about the church, go to taccs.org.au. Um, it's, it's good to be here this morning. I'm the Director of Youth Ministry here at Caroline Springs Anglican. And I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to be bringing the message today. And uh, as David said, we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes 5. Um, so what, what I like to do generally is I won't, I won't read the whole thing at one stage. What we're going to do is read a little bit, um, talk a little bit, read a bit, talk a bit. Um, and we'll just, we'll just go through it like that because I find that, that a more engaging way to kind of break down the text and kind of really bring to light what God's actually wanting to say to us this morning. Um, so for the last couple of weeks, Solomon's really just been angry at everyone. He said, time, meaningless. Money, meaningless. Sex, meaningless. Everything, meaningless. That's been his whole deal for the last six weeks. So today, he's actually going to take a break from that, praise God. Uh, he's not going to say anything's meaningless. He's, uh, he's going to steer clear, and it's going to, he's going to give us a picture. He's going to give us some tips, some guidelines for what you do when you feel disconnected lost and cut off from God and you feel like you're in some kind of spiritual desert. God's not there. You can't feel Him. You can't experience Him. You're going through the motions. What do you do? So Solomon's going to bring some words of wisdom to that this morning. Um, Throughout today, we're going to be running live questions and answer. Um, We've been doing that for the last couple of weeks. So if you look up up at the screen, um, just just run the the first um, Bible verse in. Um, so if you look up at the screen in a second, there's going to be uh, the, just the first slide that I had. Cheers. Yep. So if you see underneath the Bible verse, there's going to be a phone number. I hope you can all read that. I know it's a little bit small, right? So if you've got any questions, if you've got any comments, any um, queries or, or misunderstandings, something that I've said doesn't quite add up, something that I've said you want some clarification on, Grab out your phone and text in. So if, if uh, we're going to have some breaks in between, we're going to have some questions anyway. But if it's immediately uh, worthwhile to stop and kind of go through it, I'll answer it right there on the spot. But otherwise, after the sermon, um, after we have some time of prayer and, and maybe some songs, we're going to actually sit down and do a question and answer. So I'm going to try and answer some of those deeper questions that you guys might have um, about this. So... Spiritual lostness. I once, I once caught up with a guy. So I've been involved in youth ministry since I was about 18. Um, this was when I was about 20. Caught up with this guy, very bright, incredibly smart, knew exactly where he was going. Um, I wanted him to be a leader for a ministry that I was leading. So I sat down with him and, you know, we're, we're having this conversation. And um, I'm talking to him about faith and he just says this thing to me that I think is really insightful. And he said, I, I believe that there is something out there. I believe that there's something out there, that there's some spiritual being that is more uh, important than me, bigger than me. Um, I believe that what, what it says in the Scriptures and in the Bible is probably true, um, but my life is more like Esther than it is Exodus. I don't feel God and I can't fake it. See, the book of Esther is really interesting because it's the only book in the entire Bible that has no mention of God at all. No mention of God. Like legit. Go home, read it, doesn't mention God. God's not there. 
But then you come to a book like Exodus and the Red Sea is parting. God's doing all these crazy things with the plagues, right? He's meeting Moses on the mountaintop and it just seems crazy, like God's really working. But for him, his life was more like Esther. There was no mountaintop meeting with God. There was no parting of the Red Sea. The Caroline Springs Lake is not uh, going down. It's not parting. So what do you do when your life is more Esther than it is Exodus? Over the last uh, three months before, before I've been preaching, um, we went out with the youth uh, of this church and we were discussing like, these huge questions about life. Just huge questions. And one of the things that came up is that um, for almost all of them, for almost all of them, right? They think that there's something more out there. But for many of them, they just haven't experienced Him. They just haven't experienced God. They look at the Scriptures and they see these things that happen and they're like, well, I don't actually see that in my day-to-day. I, haven't, I don't feel God. I don't experience God. I don't see that. So what do you do when that's your experience? Um, just, just to be honest with you, that's my experience. I've never had a uh, mountaintop meeting with God. Right? I uh, diligently read my Bible. I pray. I plead with God. But I haven't had that incredible uh, experience where, where something's happened and I just had to say, well, that, that was God. Right? I haven't had like a, a rock crack in two or the waves part or anything like that. My life is definitely more Esther than it is Exodus. So what do you do? Solomon's going to sit down and offer us some advice. So let's read. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 1. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. This is his first uh, piece of advice. So I'm going to drop some knowledge on you, right? Unless you are incredibly flexible, the direction of your feet determines the direction of your life. Right? You can't go somewhere unless your feet are headed there. Right? The direction that you're facing determines the direction of your life. I'll just give a, a small demonstration of that. Who can I grab? Can I grab AJ? Yeah? Can you just come out here? And can I grab Chris? Yeah? Just come out the front. Right? Excellent. All right, AJ, what I need you to do... So come a bit closer. Yeah, come on. He doesn't smell. It's okay. Like, come here, bro. It's okay. All right, AJ, what I need you to do, just tackle him. Right? Yeah, just tackle him. He won't, he won't, he won't fight back, I promise. He, just tackle him, right? Yeah, go. Right. Excellent, right? His feet are facing him. He can get him, right? His direction of his feet, let him... All right. So, AJ, can you just stand here, right? Yeah. No, 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 no wait, wait. All right. <laughs> So, so, Chris, you, you, you turn around. You face that way. Right, now, AJ, you just get up behind him. Like, just, just behind him. All right, Chris, tackle him now. But you can't move your feet. <laughs> just tackle him. <laughs> can't be done. Thanks, boys. Right? The direction of your feet determines the direction of your life. If you're in the, going in the wrong direction, it doesn't matter how hard 
you want it, how much you're trying, if you're going in the wrong direction, it's going to be difficult. And what happens so many times when tough times hit for us, when tough situations hit, when we feel like God's not there, when we're not experiencing Him, when that emotion is gone, is we stop pursuing the things that made us excited about God. We just shut down and we fall into this um, Christian determinism. We say, it is what it is. Right? Does, anyone, does anyone say that? It is what it is? Apart from Chris, I know you love that. Right? It is what it is. And we just say, well, God's in control. I'm not in control. I can't really do anything about it. Um, so I'm just going to wait here and sit down until God somehow miraculously fixes my, um, these feelings that you're not there. Right? Um, so what happens when we fall into this Christian determinism is two things. Um, either we wait for the Hail Mary, we wait for the miracle, this um, incredible movement to change our feelings, to change our emotions. Um, we think that oh, if the Caroline Springs Lake just parted, you know, then I'd believe, then my emotions, then my feelings, my affections for God would be incredible. Um, and sadly, one of the, the biggest ways that we, we wait for a miracle is through church. We, we, we wait for church to save us. We think that, well, if Jimmy just preaches the perfect sermon, right, with such fervor and passion and um, good biblical teaching, then my affections will be incredible for Jesus. Then I'll be on fire. I'll be passionate and sold out. If, if Sarah somehow blends the, the best mix between contemporary worship and traditional hymns, if she gets like all the great instruments, if she somehow has a xylophone in there, right? My affections for Jesus will be stoked and I'll be on fire. And the other thing that happens is we try to play a waiting game with God. We go, okay, well, I don't feel like you're there. I don't feel like um, I can experience you. Um, but I know that in a, in a few months, in a few weeks, in a few years, in a few decades, whatever, that soon enough those affections will be back. So what we do is we come to church and we perform mindless tasks because we think that if I just keep doing these things over and over and over again, eventually my affections for Christ will come back. Eventually I'll feel Him. And to be honest, that, that makes sense to me because I come here on Sunday and as I preach and as I sit down, that's what it looks like a lot of the time. For a lot of us, and I, I've experienced that, like I'm, not, I'm not calling you guys out and not calling me out, like, I've come to church so many times and just gone through the motions. Like Charlotte, a couple of weeks ago, right? Um, we were in Youth Alpha, which was where we were discussing the big questions. She came out and goes, I'm so pissed off, right? Because I see these people who just look like zombies going through the motions week after week. And to be honest... She's right, right? So many times we don't feel it, so we, we either pretend that we do or we just go to church and go through the motions and um, hope that one day it will all turn out okay. One day it will be fine, right? 
So I want, I want you to grab the person next to you. So we're going we're to stop and, and have a bit of question time, right? I want you to grab the person next to you and ask them this question because this will reveal a lot about the direction of your feet. When you feel disconnected from, lost or searching for God, what do you do? What do you traditionally, historically do? Right? When you feel disconnected or cut off, what do you do? Um, it's going to be up on the screen. Take five minutes, grab the person next to you, tell them they look really pretty. Um, that's something I like to do, right? Have a discussion. All right, guys, bring it back. What were some of the things that you guys do when you feel disconnected or lost from God? Cut off. Just, if, if you feel confident enough, just shout it out. Just yell it out. No hands. Say it. Yeah? Yeah? What else? Does anyone just not do anything? I think that's probably my most common reaction. Is I just, I just, I pl- the waiting game, man, that's me, totally. Anyone else? Um, just as a side, I've, I've accidentally put up the wrong phone number, which is a bit awkward, um, but that's the right one. <laughs> so if you've got questions or whatever, just text through that number, and that'll be kept up. Um, really, really what happens when we feel disconnected from God, we feel lost in this kind of spiritual desert, is that when it comes down to it, when it comes down to the, the basics, the real kind of details is that we've stopped doing the things that make um, us passionate about Jesus. Like, a lot of people ask me, yes, now you go. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's 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 a great call. Um like, when people ask me, like, what, what do I do when I feel lost in the desert? Like, what, what is the key to living this Christian life that seems so hard? Well, when it boils down to it, it comes down to two things. Find the things that make you passionate about Jesus and God and do them. And find the things that kill your passion for Jesus and God and run away from them. Like, that's it, right? Like, that's the Christian life in two sentences, as easy as you'll ever find it, right? Find the things that make you passionate, make you on fire, make you, um, like, whatever's going on, like, make you emotional, make you fulfilled about Jesus, and do them. And find the things that kill whatever that is and cut them out of your life. Cut them out of your life, right? What, whatever, what, what often happens, though, 
um, because we're looking for the Hail Mary or we're, we're just trying to go through, is that we wait for um, the next book to save us or we wait for the next sermon or the next church service or the next thing to save us. We go to conferences and expect us to get that high. We go to camps and we expect us to get that spiritual high. That's what I've experienced from um, youth camps and whatever. There's this huge spiritual high that you go looking for every year. Right? And here's, here's, here's the thing. Books don't save you. Sermons don't save you. Camps don't save you. Conferences don't save you. I don't save you. The only thing that saves is the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? The good news, right? Often we think that, you know, the gospel, the good news, the story about Jesus, right? It's like um, a story for maybe the sinners, but not for the saints, right? We don't really need to hear that in church. But to be honest, that's what I'm passionate about. Like when I see the gospel like being told to me or being talked about, right? That's when I get excited about Jesus, right? And that, like, we just, we just need to gospel ourselves more. Like, just tell ourselves the gospel in more situations. Um, and has, has, has anyone, like, just gone on this huge exercise? Like, they, they just, like, got really passionate about, like, lifting weights or um, maybe running or something? Like, does that describe anyone? Like, you've just, you've just gone like, yeah, I'm going to go all out. I'm going to become fit. I'm going to get that six-pack. Um, Miriam, you're like shaking your head. <laughs> That's okay, right? For me, I get this exercise like buzz, okay? And the interesting thing that they've found is that eventually that buzz will fade and you'll, you'll start having to become disciplined and whatever, and then eventually that'll die. Like, that's what happens with our um, New Year's resolutions every year. We get this huge, like, kick, like, I'm going to quit smoking, um, I'm going to become fit, I'm going to lose 20 pounds or kilos, whatever, right? And then about 15 um, minutes later, we, we decide that chips are better, um, right? And so what, what they've actually found out, and um, they've done psychological tests, right, is that rather... Then, um, rather than being fueled by discipline and whatever, find the thing that made you passionate, find the thing that made you excited about doing exercise, right? And keep doing that thing that made you passionate. So, um, about a year ago, me and my friend, we decided that, you know, we're going to lift weights. So, we started watching these C.T. Fletcher motivational videos, right? And um, I probably don't advise you to go look them up. They're pretty brutal, right? There's just this black guy who's lifting these 50-kilo dumbbells and he's just looking at his arms and like, I command you to grow! And he's doing this, right? But it made me excited about exercise, so he kept watching them. Find the things that make you excited and passionate about Jesus and do them more. Because when you do that, you're guarding your steps. You're making sure your direction is in the right path. You're making sure you know where you're going. Guard your steps. So this is the second verse of Ecclesiastes 5.1. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know, what they are doing, uh, they, they do not know that they are doing evil. Okay, so this is, this is a hard one. So when, when you're experiencing... Um, Disconnection, when you're feeling lost, when you, the, the, the emotion's not there anymore, um, 
Guard your steps, but draw near to listen. And this is the hard one, right? We feel that God's not there, so why should we listen? Like, we, 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 we experience that God's not there. So the Bible's telling us to listen, so what does that look like? Um, the reason I think that this is so hard for so many of us, the reason that we, we, we find it hard to listen, right, is that in almost every single situation where tough times hit or um, there's some kind of thing going on, instead of drawing near to listen, we fill our life with noise. And you only have to experience a tragedy to see that, right? If someone's going through a divorce um, or something terrible has happened, the thing that we say is, man, it's so good that they're keeping themselves busy. They're filling their time so they don't have to sit down and actually go through what the hell is going on in their head. They never have to deal with it. Right? And it just hides the fact that one of the most awkward things in our society is to sit in absolute silence. So why don't we just do that? Like literally, right now, let's see how awkward it is to sit for a minute in absolute silence surrounded by people. The reason that silence is so awkward is because we never actually seek it. We never carve out time to be silent. We fill our lives with noise and then at the end of the day, we crash to bed. Then we wake up the next day, remix, repeat. Every single day. We looked at time like two weeks ago. And the, the, the most common description of families that I hear is time poor. Time poor because they're filling their, their lives with noise. You know, we've got families who work 9 to 5 on, week, on weekdays, come home, provide for their family, go to bed, repeat. Um, and then what happens is that on the weekends, they play cricket or they play football or they take their kids to whatever, right? And then they come to church and they sing the songs and they never actually think about it because they go home and have lunch with their families or with their friends, um, and you never actually carve out any time to sit and listen. Ever. Ever. Like, when was the last time that you can remember being in absolute silence, apart from, like, three minutes ago? For a lot of us, it'll be a while. So carve out in your life time to be silent with God and listen. Like, like Sandra was talking about reading the Scriptures. Reading the Scriptures is a fantastic way to listen to God because it's actually got promises that are directed towards you. There's promises in here that are directed towards you. So when tough times hit for me, when I feel disconnected, when I feel lost, and I'm like, God, where the hell are you? I can go to a verse like Romans 8. Right? I should have put um, a, a post-it note in here, but that's okay because I'm going to find it quick. I can go to Romans 8 where it says in 38 to 39, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, 
nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I can go, well, actually, I feel disconnected from you, but it says here that there's nothing that can separate me from the love of Jesus, ever, right? Nothing can separate. So I can tell those promises to myself. I can tell those promises to myself. And so often we don't do that. So often we just read the Scriptures like it's a story for someone else and we don't see that we're actually a major player in this book. That some of these Scriptures are actually directed towards us. Right? Come on. Another thing. Do you pray? Sandra was talking about praying. Like The greatest thing that I've realized, that I've discovered, is that we should pray in the everyday so that when tough times hit, when rough times hit, when these waves come, we know automatically where to take it. We know automatically. I pray about um, mindless things. Like, um, just trying to think, well, probably not that Richmond will win the finals. Um, that didn't come true. <laughs> right? Um, I pray for, for, for small things, like small health, like that my runny nose will stop. Or, um, you know, that um, try, trying, to think of, trying to think of other things, that, that my car will start in the morning, that um, I just praise God for creation. Because when I do that, when I do the small things, the things that seemingly don't make any, that, that don't make sense because, like, it is what it is, right? It means that when tough times hit, when I feel disconnected, when I feel lost, I automatically know that I need to take this stuff to God in prayer and go, God, I don't know where you are, but I'm going to pray to you anyway. And, and that's the thing, right? When I've, whenever I've felt disconnected or lost from God, I've just quoted stuff back to Him. I've quoted Scripture back to Him. Just, just talk to Him, right? And I've said, God, like, this, this, is the time, this is not like some small tragedy. This is the times of my life when I'm like going to bed in tears, like I um, feel so lost, so disconnected, so apathetic, so depressed. And I go, God, okay, it says nothing can separate me from the love of God, from the love of, in Christ Jesus, right? But where the hell are you? Where are you? Right? It says that you'll never leave us or forsake us. Where are you? It says that there's a time for everything. Why is that time now? Why is that time now? And because I can quote this stuff back to God, it means that I'm not just trying to do it on my own strength and just like filling it with noise. I can actually go, actually, God, I don't understand what's going on. And then just stopping there in silence and listening and going, well, okay, I feel lost, but Scripture says that nothing will separate us. I feel that this time will never end, but it says that time for, there's a time for everything. I feel like you've left me, but in the Bible it says you will not forsake us, you will not leave us, you will always love us. And I hear those life-giving words and I realize that God's there. Even though I feel lost, even though I feel disconnected, God's still there. God's still worthy of praise. The other thing that I'd say, technology. 
Um, technology has been really cool in a lot of different ways. Just, just if you want to, if you feel disconnected or lost, like Sandra was talking about, right? Music. Another great way is finding biblical men and and whatever who preach, right? Who preach like gospel saturated words and just download everything they have and put it on your phone, put it on your iPod, put it on your Samsung Galaxy, Apple, whatever, and listen to it. Right? That's a great, great tool that we have to listen to biblical um, preachers all over the world. And we don't take, we don't take um, the opportunity often. People ask me sometimes, well, how do you know so much stuff? Do you know, do you know just being real with you, like how I know a, a lot of theology? It's because I've listened to Christian rap music since I was 16, right? Like, I'm, I'm not joking. Like, for the first couple of years that I was preaching whatever, I'm sure that half of what I got was from rap music. So, like Sandra was saying, like, music can be a great way to let God talk to you. To be led a great way that it just like imparted on your heart and so that it never leaves, right? So that when tough times hit, I can go, well, God won't forsake me, right? Just like scripture. But I've got another source that's saying, you know, God's worth it. Listen. When you listen to God, you sometimes hear he'll draw you, okay? The third, third thing. This is Ecclesiastes 5, verse 2. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few, for a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. Okay. How, how do I say this? Too many times I think that when we talk with Christians, we're too concerned with saying the right thing instead of the real thing. We want to say what will make us look good. We want to sh- say what will um, make it look like our relationship with God is off the charts, that we're, we're experiencing this kind of spiritual revival when inside we feel lost and disconnected. What God's saying is, stop being right. I don't really care if you're right. Be real with me anyway. Be real. Like You look at the Psalms, right? David. David is a man after God's own heart. That's what the Bible describes him as. And you look at some of his Psalms. Like, these lament psalms where he's just angry at God. And he says stuff like, God, where are you? God, I can't find you. God, where are you? And surely God's in the heavens going, well, what do you mean? Where was I when you, know, we were, we were, you were taking on David, uh, Goliath? Right? I was there. And who was showing you grace when you slept with Bathsheba and sent her husband off to the war to die? Where was I then? I was, oh, that's right. I was in conversation with you showing you grace. God is much more concerned about the real than being right. Like, I've, I've gone to Bible college. I can theologically convince any of you that my relationship with God is perfect. Right? I know all the words. I know the Christianese that I can speak. I've got a second degree in Christianese, right? I can, like, convince you that my relationship with God is right. I can put up the right Facebook statuses. I can say the right things on Sunday. And you never actually have to see that my life is actually, I feel lost or disconnected. Stop saying the right things and start being real. Like, come on. That's, that's one of the best things about my growth group, right? Um, every week, um, throughout the week, we run growth groups. It's a great time where we can meet together, we can come together and just discuss these things. 
And the best thing about it is that I don't have to be right. I don't have to be right. I don't have to say the right things in the right order. I can just say, this is my relationship with God right now. I don't know what to do. I feel uh, disconnected and cut off. Right? So I want you to grab your, your mate. I want you to grab your neighbor. I want you to grab the person who you just told was very pretty, right? And ask him this question. Why do we find it so hard to be authentic with God in prayer and in conversation? Grab your mate, ask him this question, have a discussion. All right, guys, what do you think? Why do people find it hard to be authentic? Shout it out. No one's going to judge you. You reckon? Anyone else? Shame? Absolutely. I, I, like personally, for me, I think it's the opposite of what David said. Like, th- th- this is my, my thing. I think it's selfishness on my part. I don't want to share like, the deepest parts of myself with God. Like, he, might, like, he probably sees that anyway, right? Um, well, he definitely sees that anyway, right? But like, I, don't, I, I don't want my conscience to recognize that I'm actually a bad person and that I do all these stupid things and I screw up and I mess up so I, I don't be vulnerable with God. Anyone else? What did you say? Humility, shame, selfishness. What else? Yeah. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's a great one, Sarah. Like, we think we have to say the right words. And that's, that's, at the end of the day, it's just a form of trying to make it on our own without God, right? Works righteousness, trying to get into heaven based on our own strength, right? Because we think that our relationship with God is what's going to get us into heaven. So we have to pretend to everybody else that our relationship is like off the charts because we want to get in, Right? Or we want other people to think well of us. So we say all the, the, the right words, right? We, we pray big prayers and we say it in like this really deep and serious voice and we say all the things that we think the Bible says, right? But sometimes God wants real and not right. Sometimes God wants real. Sometimes God doesn't really care if you said all the theologically correct words in the theologically correct sentences, in the theologically correct way, because if you're lying, it doesn't matter. Right? If it's not what's real on the inside, it doesn't matter how right your words are because they're going to be wrong because at the end of the day, you're lying. You're putting up a front that's not, not real. 
And it's, it's not going to help you. You're just going to get more lost because you're, you're just turning around in circles. You're just turning around in circles, right? So let's keep going. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 4 it says, When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should... Than you, oh, sorry, start again. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? So when you feel lost and disconnected, like you need to search for God in the spiritual desert, Solomon's saying, guard your steps, guard your steps, draw near to listen, be real instead of right. But secondly, secondly he says is that what often happens when you start sitting under the word, when you start like um, listening to God, when, you, when you're sure that your, your, your footsteps are on the right path, what often happens is that the Holy Spirit, right? Sometimes in, in churches we think of the Holy Spirit as like the ugly brother or the ugly cousin, right? Of God and Jesus, right? But the Trinity... All on that, right? What often happens is Holy Spirit, God Himself, will start to lead us to water. Like, have you ever been in church? Right? Have you ever been in church and sometimes you hear something and you're like, yeah, I need that? Like last week we talked about community. Right? We talked about community and our need for it and the meaningless of this fake, false communities that we've, 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 We've crafted up for ourselves. And if you've said, well, actually, that sounds great. I, I really want this deeper community. I really want this better community where we share honestly that it's, there's no jealousy, there's no dissatisfaction, there's no laziness. Work doesn't get in the way of it. If, if there's something inside you that starts to go, yeah, I really want that. Yeah, that sounds good. Or when we talked about time, and you said, yeah, I actually want to be free from feeling so connected to this loss of time. If you, that I feel this pressure of time, but I want out. I want more. If, if there's something inside you that goes, yes, I want that, that's the Holy Spirit leading you to water in the spiritual desert. It's the Holy Spirit leading you out. Right? And what so often happens what so often happens is that we go, yeah, I need that. And then we go home and whatever or the Holy Spirit reminds us at home, we go, I want community. I want to be free from the pressure of time. And instead of going, yeah, I need this, what we do at home is we go, yeah, 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 right? Because um, just, just from my experience, at my home, yeah, 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 that was... That was um, translated into, I'm not listening to you anymore, right? When my mum asked me to do something and me and my brother were like, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll get to it in a moment. That means I'm never going to get to it ever, like, right? Some of you have experienced that. And so often when the Holy Spirit leads us to water, we just ignore it and we just go, ah, oh, well, you know, I feel like I should do this, but no. No. 
And so we make these vows. We say, I'm going to change. On Sundays, we make these vows, right? I'm going to change. I'm going to be all about the gospel. I'm going to be all about feeling um, free from the pressure of time. I'm going to be all about Jesus. And then we go home and nothing changes. We just ignore the Holy Spirit leading us to water in the desert. So what Solomon's saying, when you feel whatever it is inside of you that says, yeah, I want that, yeah, I need that, he says, follow. Don't make vows that you don't intend to keep. Don't say, yeah, I want this, and then on Monday be, no. Make vows that mean something. If you want Jesus, go all out, man. If you want to be free from time, go all out. Don't say yes on Sunday and then I'm not listening on Monday. That's what we all too often do. Listen and respond if you feel disconnected. And the last thing, the last thing that Solomon says, and this is the hardest thing, right? I I found this talk really difficult. Um, I had a sermon prepared on uh, on Tuesday and I threw it away. Like God, God was talking to me and saying these new things, right? But to be honest, this last thing is, it's really difficult. Because what it says is, For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. And what, it, what it's saying is that sometimes, sometimes it doesn't matter whether your steps are guarded. Sometimes it doesn't matter whether you're drawing near to listen, whether you're, you're being real. Right? You can do all those things, but sometimes it's God himself who's actually drawing you into the desert to teach you something. Sometimes it's God himself saying, I need you to feel this loss so that I can show you something deeper. Um, and it's just, it's just a difficult truth. It'd be much easier if I said, do all these four things and your life will be fantastic and you'll have abs made of cash. Right? That's so much easier that sometimes you can do everything correctly. Sometimes you can do um, all the right things, but God's going to lead you into the desert for something bigger. And I look at my own life. I look at my own life. And when I was 12 and 13, I was an atheist, and God... um, drew me into the desert. I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome and postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome at the age of 12, 13. was told that I'd never finish high school, never um, have my dreams, never be married, never do anything, right? And through that, I found this insatiable desire to be satisfied by Jesus, right? Because I found everything that I put my life on to be meaningless, I, I was in a state hockey team that sport and achievements and idolatry in that way, meaningless. You know, I had a girlfriend, but relationships, she broke up with me, relationships, meaningless. My health, the fact that I could run 10, 15 Ks, meaningless. The only thing that was worth it, the only thing that made sense, the only thing that satisfied whatever was going on in my heart when all these things were meaningless was Jesus. So I thank God that when I was led into the desert, I, was, I found this bigger truth. So, so what I want to say today, as we close, right? if you feel lost and disconnected and seemingly cut off from this experience and emotion and feeling of God himself, 
Guard your steps. Find what makes you passionate about Jesus and do it. Right? Draw near to listen. Quote scripture to yourself. Right? Don't be be real. Stop being fake in church, in your in your conversations and in your prayers. Just tell it how it is. But sometimes God's going to tell you a bigger truth and he needs to lead you he needs to lead you into the desert. Sometimes he's going to need to lead you into the desert. For me, my pride was too big. For me, my um my aspirations, my idolatry of self was too big. Right? He couldn't just say, Hey Jimmy, you're gonna follow this path and you're gonna end up like an idiot. You're gonna end up like a tool, right? He actually had to crush me to get me to see this bigger truth. So I'm gonna pray now. So if you like to bow your heads, that God would show you a bigger truth as well. Dear God, I thank you so much for this, these people in front of me. I pray um, just diligently that they can find an experience of you, right? I pray that they guard their steps, that you teach them how to point their feet at you, that you show them what makes them passionate about you, Lord. I pray that you put a conviction on their hearts to draw near to listen, to hear more of you, to quote scripture to themselves, to listen to good biblical preachers and pastors. I pray that they realize and they see the inadequacy of being right when you're not being real. I pray that so much, Lord, that this church could be known for somewhere that's real, somewhere not fake, somewhere not hypocritical, somewhere where honest people can just be real with each other. And Lord, I pray so much that you let your Holy Spirit lead us to water, that you lead us out of this spiritual desert that many find us in, many of us find ourselves in. You lead us out, Lord, because we need that water. And Lord, if it is your will, if it is your will to lead us into the desert, I pray that you give us the bigger picture. I pray that you reveal more of yourself to us. That we don't get disheartened. That we don't feel disconnected from you, Lord. But that we know that your purposes are good. Amen. You've been listening to the Anglican Church Caroline Springs podcast. For more information, go to taccs.org.au.